This episode is sponsored by Peak Sales Recruiting. If you need to make a critical hire and you're tired of digging through bad resumes that don't cut it, then visit peaksalesrecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. Welcome to this week's episode. This is Ian Altman. Today's guest is Mitch Joel. Mitch is a legendary speaker, multi-bestselling author. He's the president of the Miram Agency that does business in 20 countries around the world. And Mitch is really regarded as one of the experts and pioneers when it comes to digital marketing. And his books really just are off the charts and I encourage you to take a look at them. We're going to talk about the biggest mistakes brands make when using technology like they never had before. We're going to talk about how you can make sure that your content stands out over other people. The difference between someone you sold to and a customer. We'll talk about how visible your technology should be to your clients. And then the specific brands who are doing this really well that you can emulate. You're going to learn a ton from Mitch Joel. Mitch Joel, welcome to the show. Ian, how are you? I'm great, thanks. So Mitch, share with our audience something surprising that they may not know about you. I've got a podcast, not the one that most people know called Six Pixels of Separation. I got another one called Groove the No Treble Podcast, which I do monthly and I've been doing it for several years, and I'm trying to slowly build the largest oral history of electric bass players. Really? <laughs> yeah. I know. So, well, even when I say it, I'm like, is, is that a joke? Like, is he joking? I'm not joking. I'm being really serious. It's, uh, I've, I've always been a fan of the instrument. I used to play the instrument. I used to write about music, and I just feel like that musician is the most unsung under the told story and these guys and 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 women are just the most amazingly interesting artists and musicians and unfortunately whenever you if you if you clue into any of them and you google them or you just try to research them usually the conversation is around you know what gear they use or some technique or who's endorses them or what tour they're on and i just found that it was a very sort of vapid environment to hear and understand who they are as an artist. And that's sort of the stories I'm trying to capture with Groove. And it's been a, a huge blast. I've got a source for you for podcast guests for that. Remind me to put you in touch with someone who will get you, you know, all of your dream guests lined up at, at, um, in a queue. Well, just say, we all know your best friends are Gene Simmons from Kiss. We know. No, actually. <laughs> so my cousin runs a store that you, you're probably, you've probably heard of in Los Angeles area called Norman's Rare Guitars. Sure, yeah. And well, let me push this further. I'm actually speaking soon at the NAM convention, which is the big sure. uh, music instrument. And I'm actually interviewing Norm live on stage. Are you really? Yeah, totally. That's funny. So there you go. Small Are you really? Two. Yeah, so let's, we'll, we'll talk off air about yeah, this. Yeah, we will. Sure. That's, that's just funny. I just saw him this last weekend. That's hilarious. It was at my dad's 90th birthday party, and Norm was there. So um, we uh, a whole bunch of our family stopped by his shop, and Norm's like, here, take a shirt, take a this, that. And like, we all walk out. <laughs> Norm didn't sell a thing. It was a good day for his business. He's like, well, I guess I'll have to work on Sunday now. Exactly. <laughs> so we want to talk about the idea of how brands are using technology like never before. And before we dive into what people should be doing, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see brands and businesses making when it comes to using technology? That's a sort of – it's a big question. I'll, I'll break it down into a sort of current challenge. 
current challenge I see is a lot of brands running very hard at automation software. We're seeing on the sales side, we're seeing on the CRM side, and now we're seeing in the marketing automation technology side. So you have players like Marketos and HubSpots and Adobe's and on and on. And I find that the biggest mistake brands are making today in terms of making these connections is they're more worried about the technology they've either bought or thinking about buying and figuring out how to implement it and make it work versus what's going to go into it that's going to ultimately touch the customer. So you have a scenario where a lot of businesses are very forward thinking with their technology and they'll be you know, up on stages talking about the marketing automation they're doing, the artificial intelligence, machine learning that they're doing. And yet if you sign up for their e-newsletter, they don't even know what gender you are. They don't know, you know where you live. They don't really know what you ordered. If you do a search on their website for any one of their products, that, that, that product will haunt you and follow you forever in every single online channel you're in. And I think there's a, a sort of a dichotomy and a breakdown of, of connection and communication that's happening right now in these sort of, wow, look at all these tools that can do all this amazing stuff. And yet everything the customer sees is pretty much a hodgepodge and nothing all that unique. So, so in essence, if I boil it down, it's people who are implementing the technology, but really all they're doing is installing the technology. They're not really implementing it. They're not really thinking through what it takes to get the most out of it. So they have something that is capable of creating a personalized experience, but instead they're just spamming people to death. Yeah, I mean, I, th I think there's there's more depth to it. You know, on one hand, I would say that you can have the technology, but if you don't have the layers of data and information and will and desire to produce something interesting to customers, having the technology doesn't solve the problem. The other side is if you look at the sort of, you know, product description or job description of what a chief marketing officer looks like today, a lot of the sort of buzzier words are there, data, artificial intelligence, automation. But what does that give you if that person doesn't have the skills to really make a worthwhile connection? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm really close with this guy, Avinash Kaushik from Google, who's the digital marketing evangelist. And I don't think, I don't know if it was him who said it. I, he said it to me or if he took it from somewhere else and I'm not sure, but he would always say, you know, a customer isn't somebody who buys from you, a customer is somebody who buys from you twice. And I, I think about that a lot, not just in sales, but in marketing too. And are you building a relationship where everything you send to that person in sort of consistent flow is getting better with each send. Not because the story is better and I wrote a better piece or I, I, I recorded a better podcast, but because I'm understanding that person better I'm, and I'm delivering to them more the message that's going to matter to them more. You're creating valuable content that has true utility for somebody. Then if I deliver it in a intelligent way, it's way more valuable. So it sounds like oftentimes the big gap is, Look, you have the ability to deliver a personalized experience, only you haven't thought through content tailored to that audience. So even if you do know everything about them, you may still be delivering a generic message or something that isn't that useful. Yeah, and, and plainly also, your customer doesn't know whether you have personalization or automation technology. Yeah. And if all they're seeing is the same junk anyways, what does it matter if you have it or not then? Yeah, and by the way, my pet peeve is somebody who flies a lot, as I know you do, is – when I check in on a flight for United Airlines and I've got, you know, the, I've got Uber elite status on United and it gives me a question like, well, do you want to buy the lounge access, which it should know I already have. And it just, I hate that kind of stuff. Well, I just went through this literally, like I'll, I'll give you an even more sort of resounding 
connection to the sort of travel thing because who who doesn't love a good travel complaint story? But it's very (laughs) germane to what we're talking about. You know, I I will travel with my family as I know you do, and you use your points and rewards. I mean, why else do we kill ourselves all year? And so I do my car rental through my loyalty program, and in the loyalty program component of trying to get the car and figure out how many points it is, et cetera, et cetera, I can put in or I can input my my loyalty for the car rental place as well. Why do we do that? Because as a seasoned traveler, you know this. You want you don't want to make a mad dash for the line of a hundred people who need to rent the car. You want to make the mad dash for that board that has your name on it and tells you your car's in that spot. And that's what these loyalty programs provide. And so what happened in this sort of malay of, of getting the car and, and the sort of months leading up to the trip is week before the trip, I get a phone call saying uh, from the car rental company that your your um, your your confirmation number changed. I go, no problem. I write down the new confirmation number. I go, can you email it to me? They're like, yeah, for some reason we can't email it to you. Here it is. I said, great. So you know, day or two, two before, I go to uh, you know just do my pre-registration, make sure everything's in order. And I notice my my email address is missing, my my mobile phone number is missing, and my loyalty number is missing. So that's the one where I'm like, red alert, red alert. I must. I don't want to wait in line. Call them and they're like, yeah, we. Uh, we can't input. We don't know what happened. There was a change here. We can't input your loyalty number. You're going to have to call your rewards, the loyalty company, <laughs> call them. And they're like, we, we, we don't have access to their system. It's their system. I don't, and I literally got caught in this sort of back between hours that didn't get resolved. I ultimately just went to the speed desk and said, I don't know, where's my car? And they sort of looked up and said, oh, that's weird. Your loyalty number's not here. I said, well, here it is. I said, here you go. Here's your car. And off I went. But I was fascinated because these are two multi, it's actually three multinational brands engaged. You have the airline, the rewards company, and the car rental company. And I know these brands, these are brands I work with that have all talked about automation, personalization, marketing, excellence, customer service. And here they are in a place where they, they can't have a human being input uh, a field in the database. And so it's exactly that, I think, at scale that speaks to what my world and my frustration. Customer doesn't see that. The customer just goes, why are you wasting all of my time on this very simple action? Yep, that's exactly it. And it's funny because in some areas they get it right, in some areas they don't. We came in from a flight with our family on a flight, uh, United Airlines. Um, I was traveling with the family, and my wife, I had given her my my noise-canceling headphones to use on the flight because, as, of course, I'm sure you do, I have multiples. So so we are halfway home, and she says, I left the headphones in the seat pocket. And, you know, these things aren't inexpensive, and I really didn't want to have to go get a replacement. So I called the airline. I said, yeah, so – and because my phone number is registered over there, they answer and say, hi, Mr. Altman. I'm like, that's cool. And, um, hey, we just came in on this flight from L.A. Yeah, such and such a flight number, and my wife left something in the seat pocket. Is this the seat she was in? Yes. Okay. Let me contact the gate. We'll get this for you. And – that was I called yesterday, and the package arrived today um, with the headphones, which was great. Now, you compare that, and this is all in the context of technology that could do good and instead does evil. Yeah. I had ordered a new laptop that was supposed to be coming in. It's an IBM or a Lenovo ThinkPad, so it gets manufactured in China, comes over here. Originally, it was supposed to arrive on Friday, it turns out, or on Monday, turns out it was going to be delivered on Friday. So we call them up. This is this is on the Wednesday, and said, "Look, we're going to be out of town that day. Can you deliver it on Monday?" Oh yeah, no problem. We'll just w- they're still trying to deliver it Friday, but then when you're not there, they'll re-deliver it Monday. 
Sure enough, they send a note that says, oh, we're going to put it in a locker somewhere for you, which I guess serves their purposes, but not mine. So I call up. Supervisor says, oh, well, let me see what I can do. Yeah, we'll get it delivered today. The driver comes to our house yesterday and says, well, so you're waiting on this laptop, right? Yeah. He, he had another package with him, and we know the guy well. He says, so here's my problem. The system won't let me deliver it. So what do you mean? He goes, well, they still have it set up to deliver this locker. So I have it on my truck all day to, at the end of the day, drop it in this locker. I said, so let me see if I get this straight. Right now, the package is 10 feet away from me. You need to drive that to someplace 20 minutes away from here. Hand it to somebody else who's going to put it in the locker so I can drive there under icy conditions to get this thing and bring it back to the same place we're standing right now. And he says, yeah, it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? But this is where they have all this automation, but somebody forgot the customer experience side of it. Yeah, and it's funny. The other side of it that, that I also often talk about is just one word, and it's consistency. The top-performing salespeople and leaders you're looking to hire for your team aren't looking for a job right now. They are totally content crushing their numbers for somebody else. The folks at Peak Sales Recruiting will identify those amazing candidates and help them understand why they'd be happier working for you than for somebody else. Visit PeakSalesRecruiting.com slash Ian to learn more. So the other thing you'll have, and again, I think travel is a really good ecosystem for this because the fragmentation of the systems and the complexity of the business, but it's very relevant is, you know, one day you'll go up and go, hey, can I get an earlier flight? And they sort of, you know, tap, tap, tap on the keyboard, look at you and go, yes, sure, no problem, put you on. Next day, they're like, no, no, we can't. Same ticket, same fare, same structure, what happened? And sometimes it's just that. There's like a sort of eyeballing of the individual that has nothing to do with the technology. And regardless of your status, and I also have that that sort of uh, rarefied air of, of status, and you're just like, man, like I'd rather be told no every time or yes every time. It's this volatility and this lack of consistency that also pushes you away or pushes you farther down the zone. So the example would be is if, is if you know, God forbid, you lost your headphones again next week and then it took three months, you'd be like, all, all would be forgotten. Exactly. And that to me is, is truly you know, the area that I, I fight so hard for with brands. And it's so hard because we work with large brands where there's so many moving parts. Yeah, well, you know, and I think that's that's part of the challenge. So what can organizations learn from this? What are the steps they can take to make it so that when they are using technology, they're using it in an intelligent way? I will tell you that I do an episode about once a quarter with a friend of mine, Bob London, that we call Stupid Marketing. <laughs> and we literally just highlight stupid marketing automation things that we've gotten my favorite is when I get the email from somebody with marketing automation that says, oh, I'd love to talk to you about how we can help with your sales and business development because I know a lot of speakers and authors like you are uncomfortable in sales situations. And I'm always <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no thanks, but, <laughs> but here are all the mistakes in your email. <laughs> so what should people be doing? You know, one is I don't think customers should ever see or smell technology. And I think the problems that we talk about a lot of times happen when suddenly you can see and smell the technology, right? Ian calls me and says, hey, Mitch, what was that briefcase that you, you talk about? And I you know, want to send you the link. So I look it up and I copy and paste you the link. And suddenly all I'm seeing in my ads are that briefcase that not only have I bought, but I'm just referring to someone else. So now not only am I frustrated, it's a bad brand experience. Uh, 
I, it bothers me as a marketer because the brand is wasting you know valuable impressions on that are very very expensive and targeted to me when they should be on and on and on. So it's just simply that you need to make sure that the technology is actually invisible and doesn't smell to the customer. It doesn't feel like oh clearly it's a robot doing this. This is why when people say like what are some of the the bigger trends you're seeing? One of them is these sort of chatbots or these messenger applications. And the truth is is that I do think that this is going to be stage one for machine learning. Learning and, and onto artificial intelligence. But I think the real win here is if brands can communicate using using natural language with their customers in an automated way, but it, that it actually solves problems. So again, you could go back to the whole travel conundrum of car rentals and changing flights and, and imagine a chatbot that really sort of just understood it, right? Give me your confirmation number. Here it is. What do you want to do? I need to change this flight to the day before earlier time. Done. Like, you know, I don't want to feel or smell that it's technology. I don't have to I know it's not a human doing it that's fine too but I don't want to see and smell technology. Yeah and I think that when it comes to chatbots the challenge is that the ones that are well thought out like you said you can't see or smell the technology. But even if you can like it still is solving it's it's moving me faster, right? Yeah if it's if it's getting there like I there was yeah. a, I had a technical support issue on a printer and the website asked me a question well so what's the model this is the model number okay and um, then it asked another question that made a lot of sense. And then it said, when's the last time you updated the operating system in this device? Which, if it was a phone or if it was a computer, yeah. it would be great. But, you know, and then it was, which operating system are you using? iOS? Is Windows? You can, you can like, smell the smoke on the other side. Like yeah, the message uh, bot is just like fritzing out. Yeah. I'm like, okay, now you're pissing me off because – I originally was thinking, hey, this is probably a chat bot, but it appears to be helpful. And once it went out, once it jumped the shark metaphorically, then all of a sudden my impression of the brand went down exponentially. It is um, the, it's, and again, so now you're expanding it not just to sort of a, a newer modern technology, but again, it's just the bane of existence across the board. I mean, you sign up for an e newsletter for a brand that you really like, you've purchased from them before, they don't know your gender. Yeah. You know, and so so again, like you know, my joke is, yeah, I may in fact be in the market for women's clothing, and it may know something about me that I don't know about myself yet. Who knows? <laughs> but in general, I did just buy four black long sleeve dress shirts from you. You know, of course, male you size exactly, <laughs> male size XL. So you know, whatever it might be, so you have information that you can sort of make my my next connection point that much more interesting, and that. That to me is more when I talk about the smelling of the technology, where you're just like, ah, like you're not just doing you know one on one basic stuff. It's always the stuff that frustrates me the most. Yeah. So, what are some of the other trends that you're seeing in terms of technology that's actually making a positive impact, or at least has the potential to have a positive impact on the customer experience? Well, again, I think those conversely who are leveraging email in a more personalized and more iterative way are doing phenomenal things. I mean, they're brands that I like, brands that I love, and I can't wait for them to email me. And when I see those emails, even if they're not personalized or even you know, being iteratively better, but just sort of like they're, you know, they're frequent enough, they're not at all annoying. It's almost like they know when I'm ready for more. Give me examples of what you're seeing that positively captures your attention. I mean, look, one is I think you need to have a bit of brand like slash love. So, you know, an example for me would be field notes. Yeah. Uh, field notes are just, you know, simple notebooks, little 
things you can put in your pocket and stuff. I just love the product. I love the design. I love the format. I love the feel. And I've bought into the brand. And they have a subscription model. I love it. A couple times a year, a box shows up. Every time in that box, there's something else, something they didn't tell you about, something they surprised you with. Once in a while, you'll get an email that a new series of notebooks is coming out. And if you're a subscriber, don't worry, yours is already on the way, even though you didn't pay for it. It's just a bonus. When the emails come, a lot of times what they'll do is they'll create video content around the story. So they were doing a pen a while back. And I love pens for sure, but I don't necessarily spend that much money on my pens. I'm sort of a cheap pen kind of guy. And uh, just watching the video and seeing the story where the wood was taken and, and recycled out of like an old you know, Chicago firehouse that had burnt down. I don't even know what the story is. And I'm like, I need this pen. And I realized after, oh, what, what did I just do? And I realized that I was just so <laughs> all in on the brand that I was like, oh, basically at the point of almost anything they do, I'll buy. Um, I think another great example of that actually is a Canadian company called Lululemon. I think they do a really good job on the male side, which is again, not as big of a business for them as the female side. It's a yoga athletic wear of just really bringing new and creative and very timely products to market that make me have in my brain that if I walk by the store or the email comes, I should spend two seconds and check it out. Because they're normally either just in or just ahead of where that sort of world is, especially for me, just what I like you know, from a clothing perspective. And I, I think that they're, again, I, I, I love and hate those stories. I love them because they're true. And they're really passionate brand stories. I hate those stories because as a marketing professional, it feels like a market of one. And I hate that because I, I always say you can't, don't be a market of one. But I think that it's fair to put a generalization about those stories around it for people listening and thinking about their own brands of, look, if we're going to touch the customer, is it with something that's going to surprise and delight them, intrigue them? You know, really trigger one of those emotions that you want people to have. You don't want people to go, okay, or ugh. You want them to go, yeah, or laugh, or be emotional about it. I bought the pen because it was an emotionally driven, smart video. I, I like those stories, and I think that there's a lot of places brands can go. And I, again, technology isn't something that makes it happen. It just facilitates it. Where I think you're trying to go with this is this notion that Look, if you use the technology to help give you scale and to help you deliver a more personalized experience than you could reasonably do without the technology, great. If you shift the relationship to it's all about the technology, then you're almost commoditizing yourself because now they're not connecting to the brand. They're connecting to the technology. Is that off base? Well, it's not off base. I think that you're right that you don't want to be in a place where somebody's more excited about the app than the brand that brought you the app. I think that's a fair sort of statement to make. It's true. That being said, sometimes the technology can be a trigger to loop you into it. I mean, if you think back to the early days of Amazon, it's hard to think back to them. It, wasn't, it was a long time ago, but it wasn't a long time ago. What brought you in was the technology. It was this idea of like, my God, when I order this book, it just sort of shows up at my house and I don't have to go to the bookstore and, and see if they have it. Or again, you got to remember back then, a lot of times people who wanted more specialty books had to order them. And you'd sit and wait, and then they'd call you a month or so later. Just the fact that in a couple of days, no matter which one it is, it would show up. So there are things where technology sometimes does bring you into it. Another great example, again, it's going to be Amazon, would be Prime. And just think about, well, you, you want me to pay you a lot of money so that I could buy from you? And, and the only real sort of thing you're going to give me from that is, is a better shipping result? 
Amazon's not stupid. They then bought into the data. They bought into the platforming of it. They bought into the Amazon Prime of it. Give them this free. Give them the, all these things. You know, you're paying ten bucks for Netflix, so you offset that. You think about what you can get. You know, on and on. And suddenly, yeah, the technology does somewhat become a bit of a gateway. But when done well, it can loop you in very, very strongly. And you know what? I think that the example with Amazon is very much what you're saying, which is. The technology facilitates all this, but it's not even the, – the value to Amazon is not that I can get this via Kindle, which would be the technology, but rather I love the fact that I put new batteries in this device we had yesterday. It's this instant read thermometer that we use in the kitchen. And my wife said, oh, yeah, this one, the batteries just died. And we had spare batteries. But guess what? We had two. It took two, and now it was out. And she said, oh, do we have to get more batteries? And I said, we just did. So it's like, you know, on my phone, while I was putting the the cap back on, I could order it. So to me, the value wasn't even the, the technology. The value was that I needed something, and I know it's going to be delivered today or tomorrow, and I didn't have to think about it. And the irony is this, is that I really don't know if I can buy those batteries for less somewhere else. But I know I can't buy them any faster and more conveniently than there. And it's probably less expensive on Amazon. But even if it isn't, I'm okay with it. And again, again, it, it, it does become somewhat a market of one great story for all. Because for every story like that, Ian, there are people like me who genuinely love getting in the car, going to the shopping mall, wandering around, having a coffee, letting the kids go free a little bit, especially if the weather's not great. And and just seeing merchandising and seeing what people do. And again, I know a lot of people listening to this are rolling their eyes going, if I never have to walk into a store again, you know, God bless Amazon. I be- I truly benefit from both. And I think, again, both are just different sure. experiences. Both are different ways to think about how you grow your business and your brand. If they're the, the more connected they are, and omni-channel is probably one of the greatest buzzwords uh, that we've had in retail in the past two decades, it can be glorious. You know, so much of this is about Focusing on the customer experience rather than technology, and I think that the you know if I if I boil down a lot of what you're saying to things that I think our audience can really put into practice is, look, if your focus on the technology is how can you try and sell more stuff, then the client's probably going to feel that, and it's going to feel like you know the technology's in their face. If we think about it, how can the technology help improve the customer experience? Then everything you're doing is going to be focused around how is this going to be a value or benefit to the customer, which will probably make it so that the technology becomes incidental and the client says, wow, that was really helpful and valuable, which builds brand loyalty, which hopefully means they're more likely to come back and see you again. I wish that before any business bought any form of marketing services, and that includes the technology, if they actually stopped and said, will this enable us to spend more time pleasing our customers, I'd be all in on that. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying it facetiously, but I mean it. I, I love that. Well, this enables us to spend more time with our customers. And get to know them better and build better relationships. Great. More often than not, it's, does this enable them to buy more from us faster and cheaper from us, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah, and I think that's the fundamental difference. If people focus on how is this going to benefit my client, guess what? If your client is benefiting you will too. Billion percent. So, Mitch, what's the best way for people to learn more about you and connect with you? 
Uh, well, look, I, I, I create a lot of content. Uh, I do that uh, on this place I call Six Pixels of Separation. It's a blog. It's a podcast. I've been doing it for a long, long time, very frequently. But I tell you, the easiest thing to do is either just go to MitchJoel.com and it'll redirect you to the right place, which is me at Miriam Six Pixels, or just Google Mitch Joel. Indeed. So, Mitch, thanks so much for sharing your wisdom. It was great chatting with you. And I've got pages worth of notes that I will summarize for our audience. So thanks again for being here. Thank you, my friend. Let me give you a quick 30-second recap of the key information I think you can use and apply to your business right away. First, make sure that you look at technology, not just for technology's sake, but what's the effort required to implement it properly with your customer. I love that idea of asking the question, will this enable us to spend more time with our customers? Remember, a customer is someone who buys from you twice, not someone who buys from you once. And we want to make sure that our technology is invisible to the end customer. I'd also encourage you to go check out Mitch's podcast at Six Pixels of Separation. It's one of my favorites. Remember, this show gets the direction from you, the listener. If there's a topic you think I should have on the show or a guest who I should feature, just drop me a note to ian at ianaltman.com. Have an amazing week, add value, and grow revenue in a way everybody can embrace, even your customer.